The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Joining me to talk about some coaching vacancies, play some matchmaker, look around the league, talk about all the things that are happening in football. Got three games left. Lejay Deusable, Brian McFadden. What's up, fellas? What up? What up, fellas? How are everybody doing today? Good. BMAC, thanks for jumping on, filling the uh, uh, the, the Brady Quinn role. You look uh, happier no, than Brady. Brady's always no oh, Brady's Brady's generally kind of happy to be on the show. I think. Yeah, I think think Brady's usually happy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's usually happy. I think he's like enjoys seeing me do stupid stuff and like podcast about it. Um, subscribe, smash the like button. If you're watching on YouTube, you can turn on alerts. You're going to want those alerts on. We go live with emergency podcast. Every time a coaching hiring hire or fire is made, I think we're probably done with all the firings. We thought we might get a few more. Um, maybe Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia, though. Now it looks like uh, he should be on the mic in a few minutes. We're recording this Wednesday around 2 o'clock. Of course, download, follow, and leave a five-star review. Uh, I'll ask you guys this. Looking around the landscape of the – coaching sort of field what's um what's the biggest general surprise to you and it could be bill belichick can't get a job it could be the panthers called brian johnson for an interview probably thinking it was ben johnson and then told him they didn't need the interview <laughs> um or, i don't know take, take it any which way you want this to me it's the slow movement of the coaching carousel, yeah. right? Uh, usually we would have had most multiple coaches hired by now. I think this was a unique year, BMAC and Will, just because there was eight available jobs, right? So there was a lot of jobs available. And it seems like teams are really vying for probably two or three top guys when you look at a guy like Jim Harbaugh. Is he going to leave the University of Michigan and come back to the NFL? You talked about one other guy, Will Brinson, Ben Johnson, and Right now, you know, he's been able to do a lot of virtual interviews. He hasn't been able to get to in-face, you know, in-face interview because 
the Detroit Lions are still in the NFC Championship. So I think those are the two cog pieces that I think everybody's waiting to fall. And as soon as those two fall, we'll see like an abundance of hires. Now, we already have seen three. We saw Gerard Mayo, Brian Callahan go to the Tennessee Titans, and then Antonio Pierce, rightfully so, get hired by the Las Vegas Raiders. But I believe when Jim Harbaugh and Ben Johnson move, then I think we'll see a trickle-down effect for the rest of the jobs. Yeah, I, I look at this coaching carousel when you talk about the vacancy, similar to what we see in free agency every offseason. Usually, the, nothing really happens until the big names are signed and then the domino effect occurs, right? So it's like the top two candidates, we believe, is Ben Johnson. Uh, and after that, Harbaugh, but depending on who you're asking, could be Harbaugh first and then Ben Johnson. Yeah. And with Ben Johnson, you know, he's still currently coaching. You know, he's competing to try to get to a Super Bowl. So we won't see anything significant moving with him until his season is done. It could happen after this weekend or it can happen after the Super Bowl. We have to wait and see. But I think when these two names are off the board, some of the other teams that were looking to try to potentially sign those two guys as head coaches might start looking elsewhere, you know, to some of the other names that are available. So I'm not even kidding about this Ben Johnson, Brian Johnson thing. Brian Johnson <laughs> just got fired time. by the Eagles. Like this, like I, I tweeted this out and like, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Like Br Brian Johnson got fired by the Eagles. We're let go by the Eagles as the offensive coordinator after one year. Um, you know, we've seen in Philadelphia, they're oftentimes not patient with, you know, I mean, frankly, with coaches. I mean, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl and got canned, you know, like three years later. Andy, yeah. Andy Reid even was on the hot seat, like, fairly quickly, considering all he'd done in, in that in that town. Nick Sirianni was in the Super Bowl less than a year ago and was on the hot seat this offseason. Um, but the Panthers have interviewed 11, or they, I think they've called on either 11, they've called 11 coaches, maybe now 12 with Dave Canales. And they interviewed every single one of them. They requested an interview with 12, interviewed every single one of them, except Brian Johnson. And I swear to you, I think somebody in that building was like, well, we got to get that B. Johnson guy in here if Tepper loves him. And they're like, they got called for Brian Johnson. We're like, oh, oh, crap. We meant to get Ben Johnson. This makes us look stupid. <laughs> and just didn't call yeah. him back. So um, that's my theory on the Panthers thing. I think, uh, you know, it's interesting how, speaking of Carolina, sort of we see – a lot of times, and this shouldn't be that surprising, but I, I think to maybe the average fan, you know, or not, not, I think like a lot of NFL fans are you know, really in tune with with these teams and, and the front offices. But so often, sort of more behind the scenes than I think really gets put out there. The general manager situation almost dictates what you know what, how your, your your front office dictates wh where you're going to go with your coaching staff. And I think right. you look at like Dave Canales is in. Um, uh, in, in, in Charlotte, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tampa right. Bay offensive coordinator, but he's in Charlotte, right? Like literally right now interviewing. He yeah. and Dan Morgan worked together in Seattle. Like yeah. that makes a lot of sense as a possibility to come to Carolina after, especially because Carolina played him twice, saw his offense. They had Baker Mayfield in their building. They're like, dude, this guy can make Baker good. Imagine what he could do with Bryce Young. Well, well, let's not forget, he also had Geno Smith for a year yep. up there in Seattle as the starter, right? When Geno was a Pro Bowl player. So, like, they saw the development of what Dave Canales can do for a quarterback in regards to people saying a quarterback is maybe washed or done. We saw Geno Smith have a resurgence. We saw Baker Mayfield have a resurgence. So, you got to be thinking Dan Morgan bringing in Dave Canales is he's seen him up front. He's seen his work with the, the Seattle Seahawks. He's thinking, you know, Bryce Young went through a lot last year. Let's see if we can get a guy or a quarterback whisperer, as you would, they would like to say, and Dave Canales and bring him over. The only thing is, 
we've talked about this well, is, is that an attractive job right now? Again, BMAC, you know this. It's just like when you're a football player, you did a great comparison or a great analogy earlier. It's just like when you have an opportunity to be a head coach, even if the job doesn't look that bright, do you turn it down? Because who knows what opportunities you'll get in the future. It's kind of like that in free agency. Like a team that maybe isn't playing that well, they're offering you the most money. And if you decide to go back to another team for less money and you don't have the year that you had, that team's not going to be around the corner next year to offer you that same bag. So it's like coaches have to weigh that now. And I actually talked to Brady about that because two names that come to mind, Bauer Leftwich and Kellen Moore. Like they were the hottest two coordinators in the nation two years ago. And Byron Leverage couldn't even get an OC job after he got fired yeah. from Tampa Bay. So it's just like when a job is presented to you, you have to really weigh that option as a head coach. And even football players in free agency, you have to weigh that option. Like, I may not get this, may not get another opportunity to be a head coach. Let me try, even though this isn't the most attractive job, let me go in here and see if I can really change the culture, change things around and make this team mine. Because, again, from year to year, things change. And you can be the hottest commodity. Next year, nobody wants you. Yeah, you know it is. That is, I think that's a really good point because, um, and I, I'm not. You know, I'm trying to think um, if I know that you have an example of a guy you you worked with, uh, dudes, and I'm trying to think if maybe Ken Wisenhunt applies here. But like, I always felt like Rex Ryan jumped back in too quickly, um, especially where he's like, it's like, dude, you just like grinded your way to success in New York in the same division as Belichick, like. You know, that's like, that's like burning a, that's like, I, I don't even know what the example is, but it's like, you know, it's like burning your hand on the stove and being like, ha ha, I can tame that stove. It's like, dude, like, go to <laughs> another about division. When he, when, he, uh, when he took the job for Buffalo, you mean? Yeah, for Buffalo. And I mean, like, yeah. he, you know, it, it, it's, I, I, almost, I go back and forth on this because I think, you know, sometimes it's better for these guys to take a year off. Frank Reich's a good example too. Like he didn't yeah. need to take that Panthers job. And then yeah. he got fired midseason for the Colts. I was he didn't surprised feel like he was, about that job. I wasn't going to lie to you. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, but it's like a lot of times these guys are better off taking a year away, stepping Correct. away. But then on the other, you know, on the other end, you know, sometimes you step away. Like Bill Cowher stepped away, and he's still young enough to keep coaching. And and he's like, oh, well, this is great. I won a Super Bowl, and I get to talk about football on television. You know, I, I be back. I'm curious. You think it was? Did Wiz, does Wiz qualify there? Did he? Or did he jump? Did he go Arizona and then right back to Tennessee? I can't remember. But either way, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes it feels like a year off to recharge. But then on the other hand, you know, a guy like Dave Canales, he could be Byron Leftwich in a year, you know, and, and not be able to find a job. That's, facts. That, that's why when when you when your name is hot, you got to go. You got to go. Yeah. Ta- you got to go take it. And I remember Byron Leftwich, my former teammate, as Leger mentioned, Oh yeah, it right. seemed yeah. like he was a lock to get the Jacksonville Jaguar job, Correct. right? And I think it was some issues about the GM. He had to either stay in place or be left wanting to bring his own guy. I don't know the actual ins and outs of what uh, made that contract not happen, but he decided to say, you know what, I'll go right back to Tampa, you know, and try to do it all over again. Didn't have the same success. And mm-hmm. now, as you mentioned, like he's not even in the league coaching, which is crazy for me. But Man. that's the nature of the game in regards to the NFL, especially when you're a coordinator and your name has been associated with so many potential head coaching jobs. And if you want to take a step back and say, you know what, now I'm OK, then that's OK, cool, because everyone doesn't have the resume that a Leslie Frazier currently has. He's yeah. been a head coach. He's been in the league for such a long time. He has so yeah. much respect 
his resume speaks for itself. So he could afford, he can, he can, he can afford to step step away for a year. And he understands I'm probably going to have options. Might not yeah. be a head coaching option, but someone would bring me in as a coordinator, DC, if I legit let them know I'm ready to get back into the salary. Right. For some of these up and coming coaches, no, you have you don't have that same type of resume and respect. So when you have that opportunity, it might be a bad job. Gotta we all it. see it as a bad job. <laughs> but right. Listen, if you can go into that bad situation and turn it to be a, make it a good situation, now you earned a lot of leverage. That's a great point about, especially with Dave Canales too, because look, I mean, I I don't know, you know, I I knew I, I don't know this Panthers front office as well as the previous regime, and they've they've done a lot of changeover. That's that's largely why um, under David Tepper, but you know. Dan Morgan's title, he's executive VP of football ops and the general manager. And I sort of wonder, like, I am very curious to see if that hiring of Dan Morgan, who was there with Scott, came over with Scott Fitterer, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it's like no fresh start is a little weird, but Dan Morgan is a former first round pick. I I think his scouting chops and personnel chops are well-respected. He, you know, he worked his way up and he, you know, he's back home. I, I sort of wonder if, that is an indicator that David Tepper is taking a step back from, you know, having his hand in everything no. football related. <laughs> no, well, no, I, I don't no. think so either. To me, I, I liken it to like, I wonder how many GMs interviewed for that job and thought like, there's no way, right? Because Tepper has his hand on so many things. And I actually mm. was talking to a few of my friends that are scouts and front office guys. And I was asking them this question too, uh, Brenton, cause I thought it was interesting. I was like, let's not forget Scott Fitter brought, Dan Morgan over there from Buffalo. Like, these guys were tight. So you, you're kind of getting a miniature Scott Finnera, right, when when you decide to fire Scott and then, you know, elevate Dan Morgan. So I always – I was wondering, I'm like, so are they going to keep the same, you know, scouting staff? Are they going to keep the same front office people? That would be to, to determine. So I, I just think it was a scenario where a lot of GMs and, – and to, to the point we were saying about coaches, the same thing can be said about GM. Who knows when you're going to get the opportunity to be a new GM? So even if it is a terrible situation, you might want to pounce on that opportunity. I just think uh, it might be a little bit of both, Brinson, where you, you say maybe Tepper has finally sort of learned his lesson. He's going to back up just a little bit, right, yeah. and let football operations do his thing. That's that's a sight that we haven't seen, and I, I'm waiting to see if that actually, you know, happens, right, because it, he hasn't done it to this point. Um, but I also think – as far as like viable candidates with so many GM jobs being available too, I wonder how many people were just vying to take that job. Yeah. I, I don't think that people were clamoring to work with the Panthers. Now, I mean, at the same time, you can note that like, look, if you take that job, if you're Dave Canales or Dan Morgan, you take those respective jobs, coach or GM, you're getting a fully guaranteed contract that is going to mean you could, in theory, never have to work again for you know, for the rest of your True. life. Like you're, you're yeah. going to make enough money where if he fires you five games in, which anything's po- like anything's possible, possible right? <laughs> I mean, anything's possible at this point. Like you could be there ten years, but that's actually not possible. But I mean, you know, like, like yeah, go ahead, be back. But the good thing about the Carolina job, outside of what we've seen, the bar is super low. I mean, the bar is low <laughs> yes. for an infant to jump over. Low. So <laughs> any little positives you can bring to the organization from within and from the outside looking. We're going to talk about it because the expectations are super, super low. So remember, how many games they won this year? Two? Two. Right? By accident, yeah. I think. Yeah, he yeah. said by accident. I'm <laughs> done. They beat the Texans. So they beat if you win four games, <laughs> If you win four games in 2024, that's a plus. 
It's a leg up. Yeah. It's a leg <laughs> that's, up. that's a great so, point. So you walk into a situation where the, the, the bare minimum will have people jumping for joy. So that might make it more appealing than what we know. Yeah. With the job. Well, and, and before we move on, because I know we got to move on, Will, going back yeah, to like, coaches, want, really. take it. That's true. <laughs> Taking the opportunities when it's given to them. Let's not forget. We're talking about jobs that people don't think are attractive. Let's not forget Zach Taylor, when he got hired for the Bengals, nobody wanted that job. And look at the overturn he's been able to do over there, right? We talked about Frank Wright. Look what he did with the Colts. Nobody wanted that job. Let's not forget Josh McDaniels turned the job down. So Frank Wright was essentially a filler, and he had a lot of success. So honestly, B-Mag, if I'm one of those coaches where nobody wants a job, if if I'm playing the odds, I'm taking the job because guys have been able to turn programs around and they've been mainstays. Like Frank Wright had a successful career as the coach coach. Uh, Zach Taylor is still with the Bengals and they've had a lot of success there. I mean, it helps when you get Joe Burrow as well as number one pick in the draft. But I, I mean, yeah. if I'm Dave Canales and they give me an opportunity, I'm going, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. If I'm Dave Canales and I can get a look at the Panthers, especially with a guy I trust in Dan Morgan, who I worked with in Seattle, you know, I'm not I'm not quite as scared to do that because you feel like he's going to buy you as much time as he can with David Tepper. Um, the Titans job. I, I'm Ooh. curious about this one, too, because interesting. Rand Carthen, and I apologize to the Titans fans who yelled at me because I spent three quarters of the emergency podcast calling him Ron Carthen. No, you didn't. <laughs> What's that? Get my guy, my guy Rand's name right, man. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I mean, it's, 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 it, that's, a, that's a tricky pronunciation one, though. Because Carthon sounds like Ron. And then, you know, <laughs> so, but Rand Carthon, it was announced at the same time as the Titans technically announced that Brian Callahan was hired, that he is basically running that football team. For um, sure. <laughs> I mean, like, he, he like, uh, you know, any, you know, he's like, I love Mike Frable. We got along great. It's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> like, if you just got promoted to football czar, like VP of football <laughs> operations, you are Literally. running that football team. And Amy Adams Strunk noted in, in the press release, she's like, this isn't my dad's, this isn't my dad's NFL. You know, this is not, this is not the NFL when my dad was around. We want to, she mentioned blending analytics and all this stuff. Um, I'm curious what you guys think about having somebody in that GM position. So new to that GM position, given that much power and what we'll see from Brian Callahan, you know, the, we talked about this uh, with Pete Prisco yesterday, but you know, he, he thinks that the Browns will let Bill Callahan leave and come to Tennessee, you know, probably be for a lateral job, but it's like, dude, like yeah. let the guy go coach with his son. You, know? yeah. like, you would think um, so. Yeah. I'm curious what I'll, you guys think about that particular power structure. For me, I, I'm okay with it. The thing that I like about this situation is that you made it known who is the head man in charge when you talk about putting the personnel together. So you don't have to worry about this voice speaking, this voice speaking. No, it's coming from one person. Of course, I'm willing to believe that Rand will also, you know, do his due diligence in consulting and talking to the people that he has working with him to be able to put together a competitive like roster. So I like that. Number two, he's a former player as well. So he's relatable in regards to what the culture needs to be. Not to mention he came from San Francisco. When you talk about having a solid foundation put in place to build the structure that you need to build on to be able to weather the storm and fight 
consistently to be relevant. And that's what they need now currently in Tennessee, because it's safe to say, in my opinion, I don't know how you guys feel. This is kind of a rebuild. They kind of started all over. Derrick Henry is not going to be a part of the organization. Ryan Tannehill's moving on. There's some other key contributors. They just lost Kevin Byer. You know, they traded him away during the season. So they started kind of bringing a, a new flux of talent within the building. And the best way to kind of get that that plan going in the right direction is to number one, identify who the guy is that's going to handle the personnel. Number two, allow him to do his job. Yep. And hopefully it sounds like he's not looking over his shoulder. There are a lot of organizations where you have a guy, give a guy a title. For us, it's something to talk about because we hear, we see what his title is, but with inside the building, he's looking over his shoulder. So he can't really put together what he needs to put together because I got to make sure, is this okay? Is that okay? So I'm okay with that. I like it. To me, it's a it's a copycat league, and I say that. Mm-hmm. Like you made a great point where he came from, San Francisco. Let's just look at the people that have left San Francisco and become GMs. Adam Peters, right, GM. Martin Mayhew was there, right, ex-GM. Mm-hmm. Um, let's look at uh, you just talked about Rand Carton. He was there, GM for the Tennessee Titans. The, the San Francisco 49ers have had more success out of anybody in the last couple of years, besides probably the Kansas City Chiefs, right? So if you're the Tennessee ownership, you see Rand Carthen come from this. You've seen how he he does his work, his due diligence over this last year. Let's give him more power to be Max point. One of the main issues was between Mike Vrabel and the GM, whether it was John Robinson or Rand Carthen, there was supposed issues and a power struggle in regards to certain, you know, decisions made on the roster, right? Now you don't have that option, right? Rand Carthen's making all the decisions your job, Brian Callahan, is to come in and coach the team I put on the field. Now, again, I, I'm sure he will consult with Brian Callahan. I know Rand personally. I know he will consult with the head coach, so they are on the same page. But I thought this was a great move. That way you don't have to worry about a power struggle because that's been the issue with the Tennessee Titans for the last few years between the head coach and the GM. All right, let's take a quick break. I agree with you completely. I think, I think having a singular – Everybody on the same page makes a lot of sense. There's been a power void there for sure. Uh, All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk the coach openings and uh, who might make sense to play matchmaker next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, welcome back. Head coach openings, vacancies still lingering. Quite a few are lingering out there. Quite frankly, a ton of them are lingering out there. Um, Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers, this is, a little, this is tricky because it feels like it's kind of imminent. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't want to, we don't want to, uh, you know, we don't want to like talk about it and then Belichick's high, you know, signs with the Chargers <laughs> or, you know, like, 
I so like you know, but I do think it's pretty close to a done deal. It makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um and I'm curious how you guys think Harbaugh. Pete sort of lamented yesterday because it's been reported that Greg Roman would be um did you work with him in Buffalo? at all i Buffalo? did work with greg greg yeah. actually got uh greg is a great dude but he actually got relieved of his duties after yeah because that, that's when uh, anthony lynn took yeah. over right Correct. That, yeah, and that's yeah. that's what prepared anthony lynn to get the head job for for the Chargers because our offense was <laughs> but isn't that ironic offenses. yeah kind of um, kind of interesting. so yeah so greg roman's been reported as the oc for the chargers and pete that got pete's you know like when pete gets like oh he's like mm. like his eyebrow got really big like almost like <laughs> up above his bald head yeah. Uh, but you know, the, the concern was that Greg, Ro- you know, we've seen Greg Roman work with Andrew Luck at Stanford before. We've seen him work with, you know, you know nor- normal quarterbacks, whatever you want to call it. But like a lot of times, you know, whether it's Tyrod Taylor, Colin Kaepernick or Lamar Jackson, right. uh, you know, dudes, we've seen these Greg Roman offenses be very run, you know, run heavy, run not heavy. having the quarterback throw as much. And you got Justin Herbert there. Any concerns if, if that's the direction they go? I mean, that's what that's the question Justin Herbert has to ask as the franchise guy, right? Um, and I'm sure he's in talk with ownership. Uh, now, again, I don't know how much juice he has. We've seen a culture shift lately where quarterbacks are kind of in those meetings when they decide to bring in a new he- head coach. But I think the thing that's interesting for the Chargers, they're looking for a new GM as well. So that's that's an issue in regards to that. So, like, who does he talk to? Do, does he talk directly to ownership and ask, yo, if they bring in Jim Harbaugh and he brings in Greg Roman, like, what does that mean for my development now? I think Justin Herbert also has to ask himself, we look at the history of what Jim Harbaugh has done. He wins everywhere he goes. And that's been the biggest knock on Justin Herbert, right? Getting yeah, it done when win. it mattered the most in the playoffs, right? Finally went to one playoffs two years ago, ended up losing when they had a significant lead, right? Didn't make the playoffs this last year and got hurt. Has almost every passing record for like a quarterback in the first three or four years of their career, but it hasn't equated to wins, right? So you got to ask yourself if I'm giving a little bit by bringing in Jim Harbaugh in, but I get the winning right, right? And I don't throw as much and I don't get those crazy numbers. Am I all right with that? Because I'm going to win ultimately. That's the question that he has to ask them, do I want to be great and I have the gaudy passing numbers, but have a chance to win a Super Bowl? Me personally, if I'm Justin Herbert and if that's the direction the organization wants to go in hiring Harbaugh and he's bringing in Greg Roman, I'm okay with it. And the reason why I say that, guys, is because, as you mentioned, Leger, everywhere that Jim Harbaugh has been, he's won yeah. Go back to his early years at what University of San University Diego. University of San Diego. Yep. He, he, two 11 win seasons. Two. Then you talk about Stanford, right? Uh, 11 win season there, the first ever in program history. They finished the BCS era ranked number four. Then he goes to San Francisco. Remember that San Francisco team he took over? How bad they were? If I'm not they mistaken. hadn't had a winning season since 2002, and they he went, went to the, the title game his first year. year. <laughs> yeah, they won like 13 games the he first went, year. The title game. It was, 13 it was games. It was yeah, 13, 13 games the first year. Eventually went to a Super Bowl and was a possession or two away from winning that Super Bowl. So when yeah. you factor in everywhere that Coach Harbaugh has been, he's been able to revitalize programs that were kind of dead in the water, bring life Correct. to them, and make them relevant, not only doing that, but also, too, establishing new profound quarterback production. That's the thing as well. San Francisco, all the success he had, he had, he did so with Colin Kaepernick. Remember yeah. what he did with Andrew Luck 
in Stanford. And then, of course, currently, most recently, J.J. McCarthy, who potentially could be a first-round selection. So two things that I'm... Well, he flipped around Alex Smith's career, too, before he Alex Smith. Yeah, he was winning with Alex Smith. The first year, when they won 13 ball games, that was with Alex Smith. So two things I know about Coach Harbaugh just following his his coaching resume as a head coach, he's won everywhere he's been, and he's got outstanding production from his quarterbacks. Regardless of how you like their system or not, the quarterbacks in his systems, they've done fairly well. And I would say this as well, to Justin Herbert's credit. All the quarterbacks that Coach Harbaugh has worked with outside of Andrew Luck, Justin Herbert is w- is way more talented than all of those guys. Way more talented. So one with, with this new age and how we've seen Coach Harbaugh adjust to calling plays and being involved offensively, hey, he should be okay, I think. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. If uh, quick, quick grade, if you had to assign a letter grade preemptively, a, assuming Harbaugh a goes, plus. what's that? A plus. A plus. Yeah, yeah I, to me, I, I pegged them to go there since they won a national a championship. I, yeah. To me, that would be an A for sure. Hey, real yeah, quick, Lejay, what people don't understand about Coach Harbaugh, which I love, and you would appreciate this as well, he his style of coaching resonates to an old-school style of play. Everywhere mm-hmm. he's been, it's been hit you in the mouth on for both sure. sides of the football. And most recently at Michigan, they're one of the few, if not the only college football program that still practice 907 drills. Yeah. Think about that, Leger. Well, well, and, well, well t- go, I was going to say, to your point, right, they tried to make a change a few years ago to a spread offense, and they didn't, it didn't bode well for them. And so he switched it back and was like, nah, I'm going to be who I am. If I'm going down, I'm going down my way. And we saw the physical nature and how it took over in that national championship game versus the University of, of Washington. So, yeah, I get what Pete was saying it to you, to you, Brenton. He's been saying it for like the last two weeks. If I'm Justin Herbert, I don't know if I'm happy, but it's just like I think Justin Herbert's already got his bag. He has almost every record first three years in the NFL yeah. passing-wise, statistic-wise. Why not, you know, table some of those passing records for actual wins and meaningful games in January and February? I agree with you completely. I, yeah, I give it an A as well. And by, and by – um... By the way, like the Wolverines, people sort of forget this too. When Harbaugh got there, they'd been like five and seven the year before with Brady oh, Hook. Yeah, and, he, were, and he immediately had them like one game away from the playoffs. I mean, Correct. the guy wins everywhere he goes. Also, anyway. I mentioned this to Pete yesterday, sneaky bonus to Harbaugh to the Chargers. Jim Harbaugh, Sean Payton twice a year. That could get spicy. Like those dudes could be like at each other's. Remember, do you remember when Harbaugh and um and Jim Schwartz got Jim the Schwartz, fight at midfield? That was, that was amazing. incredible. Yeah. And don't forget, too, what a lot of people don't know is that the Broncos actually almost signed Harbaugh last year. They had a deal in place. Yes. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sean Payton wasn't the first option for for Denver a year ago. Uh, Let's look at the other openings. The Falcons. Let's play matchmaker. Who (laughs) do you think you guys get to match up? Who you think would be the best fit for the Atlanta Falcons? To me, I don't think it's close. I think it's Ben Johnson, but there's rumors that that commander's deal is practically already done for him, which I I can see the gravitas to that, right? They have a a boatload of money to spend. You got Terry, scary Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson out over there on that side. So it makes makes a lot of sense. But Atlanta, just imagine, uh, BMAC, what Ben Johnson could do with B. John Robinson and Kyle Pitts. We saw what he did with Sam Laporta and Jameer Gibbs. Just imagine in a weaker division, the NFC South, Ben Johnson picking somebody in the top, because I believe Atlanta has a seventh pick, if I'm not mistaken. I picking think either, 
their eighth, seventh, or eighth, eighth, eighth overall, third either, straight year. Yeah, him, him getting you know Jaden Daniels or potentially even Michael Penix Jr. in the draft, and then also having Jameer Gibbs and and you know Kyle Pitts at tight end, what he could do with that offense. You know they're going to be physical and run the ball, and Ben Johnson does that with the Detroit Lions because they have one of the best offensive lines. They have a stable of running backs. Like, imagine Ben Johnson with the Falcons. Like, that just makes too much sense to me. Yeah, uh, that's – I didn't – mean LeJay didn't talk about this, but I have Ben Johnson as well. I took oh, wow. Ben Johnson for some of the same reasons that LeJay mentioned, and I love the, the, the identity, the similar-like identities offensively. You talked about Kyle Pitts, Drake London, but B. John Robinson and Ty- Tyler Agier, kind of yeah. thunder and lightning what he's currently dealing with and working with, with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs in Detroit. So similar-like backs, bigger-style backs, you know, both physical, and one guy is super fast, and Bijan, the same can be said for Jameer Gibbs. And also, sure. too, I think the money they could throw at him, you know what I mean, in regards to just the coaching salary, because Arthur Blank is, what, 81 years old right now? I yeah. mean, he has no time to be patient. He got to go out and try to go get a splash name at the head coaching position that can help his offense, most importantly, uh, uh, thrive to be the best that they can be. You talked about a watered-down division. That has to be appealing as well. You just got to find the answer at the quarterback position. But outside of that, I think Ben Johnson would be would be a great pick for Atlanta. I'm going to throw out Belichick for Atlanta. I think it's just a fun fit. He's got to get – like Josh McDade, they got to get a quarterback, obviously. Did you just roll your eyes at Belichick to Atlanta? I did, and I'll explain why. I'll let you go first. No, no, no. I just think that you're you're obviously a quarterback away, and I don't know that I want like I I understand this is why the Patriots part of why they moved on. They're like we don't know if we trust Bill Belichick, to which is an insane statement, by the way. (laughs) We don't know if we trust Bill Belichick to develop a quarterback, but I mean, (laughs) yeah. He's one for two, and he did pretty good on the first one. And you, like Jimmy G, but Matt Castle. Was that essentially – okay, he was a head coach, so he definitely pushed Tom Brady. But as far as, like, they said when Tom Brady came in there, the way he was talking, B-Mac, like, he was going up to Robert Kraft as a six-round pick and saying, this is the greatest pick you've ever made in your life. Like, I'm going to be the starter Wild. for you. So, like, some, some guys just have it. Like, people will say what they want about Brock Purdy. He was Mr. Irrelevant. But all the players that I talked to, because that's where I finished my career that were on that team, they said that the swag that Brock Purdy had from day one. Like, be back, you know, there's certain players just have it, bro. Like, they just have it. They just need the opportunity. And, yes, Drew Brees going down allotted Tom Brady that opportunity. I'm not saying Bill Belichick didn't have a hand in that. But I, some people are just born great. I think Tom Brady was just born great, right? He just needed an opportunity to prove that he was great. So, I liken it to this, right? I know people will say that, you know, he was the favorite Bill Belichick for the Atlanta job, but now there's rumors that nobody is really vying for his services, and that usually is a telltale sign. You know what it is, B-Mac. If nobody else wants you, there's usually an issue or a reason why, right? He hasn't really proven that he can develop a first-round quarterback. We saw what happened to Mac Jones, even with Bailey Zappi going in there, even the year with Cam Newton. Like, And if you look at Bill Belichick without Tom Brady and what his record was when he was with the Browns, it's sub 500, right? So if I'm Bill Belichick, I'm honestly probably good thinking about retirement, right? And I say this because let's not forget, I think he's 13 away, 13 wins away from the all-time yeah, winning 15, record. From 15, 15, 15 total. If right? he wins but, 15 games, he has the record when you combine regular season and the playoffs. Yeah, but then there's the other record that he's flirting with too, and that's the most losses as a head coach with the great <laughs> Tom Landry. So, like, you go to Atlanta and B-Mac, he has a couple bad years, he might be in a position where nobody ever catches that record and you're known 
even though you're known as the GOAT, but you also have that record holder as the most losses as a head coach in NFL history. So to me, again, I, I think that Arthur Blank, like you said, is 81. He never thought he'd have a chance at Bell Belichick. So there was a lot of, you know, gravitas with that. And he was like, you know, maybe let me take my shot at Bill Belichick. But now that he sat back and Rich McKay has sat back, I think they realize nobody else is truly like clamoring to get Bill Belichick because that's a Patriot way. Is it conducive to the current NFL right now? I don't think so. And I think it'd be tough for Bill Belichick to have success with the Atlanta Falcons. We already talked about uh, Arthur Smith not getting the best out of B. John Robertson and Kyle Pitts. I would hate to see, you know, them have another year of that with Bill Belichick at the helm. And that's no disrespect to him. I just think the way he coaches and the way the Patriot way is, is not conducive to the current NFL right now. Do, does Bill Belichick get a job this offseason, B-Mac? I don't think so. Wow, really? I don't think so. I mean, yeah, the did, reason why... Do you realize how, like, insane this is? It's okay. so crazy, but so, it's... So, so here, here, this is why I, I don't think so. Number one, he's only interviewed with one organization. Mm. There's there were what at one point eight vacancies, correct? Correct. Yeah. He's only interviewed with one. It's not like his team was in the playoffs. Their season was done at the end of the regular season. Only one team has interviewed him. That's alarming. Number two, Leger talked about what he's done over the last few years, especially without Tom Brady. It hasn't been appealing. So you're telling me you're hiring a guy to come into your organization over the last three years, he's been below average as a head coach, as a personnel decision maker as well. And then finally, what he's 71, 72, right? Like, uh, so he's Bill not, Belichick, yeah, he's, I think I mean, he's, he's like 72 or 70, yeah, 70. I know, I know Pete Kelly was 71. Oldest, he was right he's under 71. Him, yeah. So for these organizations that are looking for head coaches, it's safe to say they're looking for some type of structure, right? Moving forward. Bill is 70, 72, 71. What he had, what do you think he had he has left in the tank? Maybe three years? So if your organization, do you want to have to reevaluate and go all the way back to the table again for a new head coach, especially some of Correct. these bad organizations? So there, that's why I think I, I say no. There's also, and like I've heard this from several different spots, like, and I think it's viable because it's something that we've you're sort of intimating here, B Mac, and I you know, I think we could all agree, like. And, you know, dudes, you brought up the wins. Um, what if what if he just wants to get the 15 wins and be like, all right, I'm out? You know, like, he, like he, I mean, like, in other words, like, it would, like, he goes nine and seven or nine and eight, I guess, now. And, or if he, or if he went eight and nine and seven and 10, he's like, well, I'm out of here. Yeah. Hey, look, guys, <laughs> those two years weren't great. I know you gave up on the greatest coaching cycle in recent memory to bring me in. <laughs> But I'm out. <laughs> you know, like that would be, yeah. I mean, like you could, you know, you could really set a franchise back if, if because remember, Teddy Bruschi said that during the season last year. He's like, Bill's no longer coaching for a championship. He's coaching for that record. And it's like that's yeah. true. That's really damning. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's what teams have to put into perspective too, right? And I, Bill Belichick is the ultimate competitor, so I think he would do his best. I just, I don't think his coaching style is conducive to the current NFL landscape and how it's played and my thing is if you're ownership if you're a gm and you bring him in does like you said will does it set you back three or four years because he comes in right and you don't get anything accomplished you win seven or eight games what does that do for your franchise moving forward you start over from square one but you could have just started over from square one right now and hired a younger coach that could 
be there for five to six or seven or eight, nine years and really change the culture of your team. All right, let's uh, quickly – sorry, the Belichick thing derailed it, but it's a great conversation. Uh, Panthers, I'm going to throw out Dave Canales. I think that's a good fit. Worked with Dan Morgan, stealing an offensive coordinator from, from the division. I don't know. I Frankly, I don't really know. It's like somebody's got to take the job, I guess. Somebody, somebody's got to take it. <laughs> I'm going to say him or Bobby Slowick. Okay, I like Bobby Slowick. I go, I I go Slowick as well. I, I go Slowick and I say make – Bryce Young looked like how CJ looked last year. That's it. <laughs> exactly. That's what we need. Yeah. I go by, slow by the way, okay. By the way, just uh, oh, that's a good, good call. Um, wouldn't be surprised if David Tepper liked that. Uh, we're just worth noting that uh, Tom Pelissero of NFL Media tweeted: Titans coach, former Titan coach Mike Vrabel is at the Falcons' job. Falcon is in Atlanta interviewing right now. Additionally, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh is scheduled to yep. meet with the Falcons tomorrow. They flirt with everybody. You don't want to let somebody like Harbaugh out of the building. Like you want to like, I mean, you know, you you want to interview him. Um, Commander's job. I'm going to say Ben Johnson. Uh, I think, I think it's a great fit there. I I had the commander's job ranked number one. And the reason was for open jobs. I just think Josh Harris is doing everything in his power to be the opposite of Dan Snyder. And one of those things is going to be just being really patient. Like, Dan Snyder fires Ron Rivera on Ron Rivera's birthday. You know, like the last day, like the Sunday of the season. He's like, sorry, Ron, you're not coaching week 18. You're fired. It's like, it's my birthday. Ah, I don't care. You know, Josh Harris was like patient. Wouldn't let him do the whole season. I think if, if they approach it the way it looks like they're going to approach things, you know, innovative, you bring in Adam Peters. I think that's a really good job, especially with the number two pick. So I, I think Ben Johnson, uh, I, I like him in, in Washington. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It seems like that's where it's headed uh, whenever the Lions season officially ends. Uh, I threw a name out there the other day. We did this segment on HQ Spotlight, and it was called Le GM. I was playing GM and naming naming potential head coaching vacancies. Mike McDonald from the Ravens, right? The one thing we know about this Washington Commanders defense is it was awful last year. God awful. Mike McDaniel has changed the culture around for the Ravens. And it's hard to say that, right, because the Ravens already have a culture. But let's not forget, before the Roquan Smith trade and before Mike McDonald got there, right, they got rid of their defensive coordinator who ended up going to the Giants. And now he's not at the Giants anymore. And Wink Martindale, uh, Mike McDonald has really changed that defense around. It's the number one defense in football, number one in takeaways and sacks. I think he's a, a young, relatable guy. Um, just looking at his interaction with the players on the sideline, they really love him. They love playing for him. I think he can really galvanize that franchise, more specifically on the defensive side. And, and we always say this, right, BMAC? First and foremost, you got to have a leader of men. You got to have somebody that those 53 men are willing to follow, right? Everybody wants an offensive guru. That isn't it, right? We saw what Antonio Pierce did with the Vegas Raiders and changed things around there, right? We've seen multiple times, even Nick Sirianni technically doesn't call the plays for the Eagles, but he was able to get them to three straight years in the playoffs. So you don't always automatically need a guru. Dan Campbell, great example with the Lions, right? You got to have a leader of men. You can get an offensive guru as a coordinator, especially with all these guys coming from Sam Fran and that tree, like Bobby Slowick and and what he's been able to do, Mike uh, McDonald, right? Um, so you can get an offensive guru. I think you need to fix that side of the ball. That defensive side of the ball was awful last year. I think Mike McDonald, keeping him in the DMV area makes a lot of sense. For me, I go another defensive-minded coach as well. I go Dan Quinn. Um, you know, previous head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. Remember, he got that team to the Super Bowl, led by MVP uh, uh, Matt Ryan. And it's safe to say 
because of the direction of the offense and what they were doing, they didn't lose that game because of Dan Quinn. It was just <laughs> the inability to run the football or the want mm. to. And then you look at what he's done in Dallas the last few years. I mean, I mean, made Dallas Dallas one of the more productive defensive uh, uh, teams that we've seen in quite some time. And he he understands the division. You know, he understands the division. Um, he's a relatable coach as well. He's a players coach. The way how he got everyone to buy in to what he was doing in Dallas, you know, proves that. And I believe he will be a head coach somewhere in the National Football League. We look at some of the openings that are still available. And I think that would be a great, a great decision if Washington decides to go that route as well. All right, Seattle, very quickly, one word answer. Mike Vrabel or Dan Quinn? I go Mike Vrabel. <laughs> I like it. I, I think I think either one, I think either one uh could work and would work well. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the survivor pool and quickly preview the championship weekend. Next. All right, we're gonna let's talk about these games really quickly. Chiefs at Ravens, Lions at the Niners. Which game and obviously Chiefs at Ravens on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Of course, we all want to watch that. But uh, which game of these do you think, dudes, is more likely to feature an upset? Ooh, I mean, it's your definition of an upset because I think the Ravens are actually favored in the Ravens game. Ravens are favored, yeah. Chiefs. I mean, I guess the yeah. answer is obviously the Chiefs. Yeah, like, so the I would Chiefs say the winning. I mean, <laughs> yeah, to me, like, I think the more obvious upset, even though the Ravens are favored, I would say it's the Lions, right? Uh, just the, the brand of football they played in. Mm-hmm. Like, what we've seen lately from the 49ers defense, they haven't played to the standard, right? Last week um, versus the Green Bay Packers, and the Packers mm-hmm. offensive line has played amazing the last two weeks, whether it's versus Dallas and shutting down Michael Parsons or versus the 49ers where they didn't give up a sack. They were playing the Avengers D-line, B-Mac, and didn't give up a sack, <laughs> right? Nick Bosa had five quarterback hits. He was the only one near the quarterback, right? Javon Hargrave had one nice rush earlier in the game, didn't see didn't see him the rest of the game, didn't even hear from Chase Young the whole game. So, like, this Lions offensive line is better than the Green Bay offensive line. Now, we'll see what happens with Jonah Jackson. Is he healthy enough to play? But I can see this Lions team with the way Aaron Jones was able to run the ball we saw Jameer Gibbs really come to life in the fourth quarter versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can see that upset before I see, you know, the, the Chiefs beating the Ravens. Hey, real quick, can we pause? I got to let my kids in from up top. Go knock it out, B-Mac. Well, do, do, I'll keep talking about this. You're, you're good. You, you go do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are not paused. We are still live. Okay, so, um, yeah, I, I, think both, I think both underdogs could win here. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Lions went in there and because you know Pete had the line and we like to make fun of Pete, but he you know, he's like if you can block him, you can beat him. Talk about the 49ers. He loves saying that. <laughs> he does love saying it. I mean, he beats these. Yeah. He, he loves these little like he's been saying that probably for like forty years. But um, oh, you know, like sure. the, the, but the Lions can block, man. Frank Ragnall is tough as nails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Why don't you help me with my survivor pick then? As we await BMAX return, because I'm the only you you were knocked out in the wild card round. Ryan Wilson yeah. picked for me last week and took the Lions to secure. Well, my he, p- he picked the Lions with me. I helped him out on that. And so oh, okay, the Lions well, made, was probably the easiest pick as far as covering that week. And I was right. Well, the Ravens yeah. blew the Texans out. I didn't see that happening, but I knew the Ravens would win that game at least. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm glad he went Lions because now we wouldn't you wouldn't go Lions here. I mean, would you go? I think you got to go 49ers, right? Do you? I mean, <laughs> you fa- you th- do you think? I mean, do you go well, Ravens think, over think, Chiefs or Chief, Do you I, take the Chiefs? Is the question. Like, I mean, I just think uh, uh, again, we know the conspiracy. Cover, just win. 
the con- yeah, the conspiracy theory, you know, with the, you know, the Super Bowl colors. Uh-huh. Yeah, I man, I think the Ravens and the 49ers are going, man. I, I just think the Ravens, if you look at Lamar Jackson, he just looks more focused than I ever seen him. And then you hear guys like Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen talk. That team is just locked in on a different level right now. Like they came out as a different team that second half versus the Houston Texans. And, and Lamar was almost on his Optimus Prime, you know, I'll do it myself. Yeah. Right? So, like, yeah. the way that Lamar Action Jackson is playing right now, and I know it's hard to go against money Pat Mahomes, but the way this Ravens team seems to just be focused this year and the way that defense and Mike McDonald scheme th- schemes things up, I, I'd i probably lean towards the, the Ravens than the 49ers because the big question mark is will Debo Samuel be able to go? All right, B-Mac, you get to play Survivor. You get to join this. Like, Brady's knocked out. Dudes is knocked out. I'm still alive. Wilson picked for me. We're not playing for anything, but you get to jump in. I'll give you first pick. You can you can pick one team Survivor. Not against the spread, just straight up. You got to pick one of the four teams remaining to advance to the Super Bowl. Who would you go with? San Francisco. Okay. That's San what Francisco. Will said, too. <laughs> yeah. So now you gotta um, go. We're going with the Chiefs or the Ravens, Will. Which one? I'll- I'll go. I'll stick with the CBS game. I will go Baltimore. I think the Ravens. Ooh, I think the Ravens. Are about well, here's, here's, the, here's the thing that I think is interesting. Both the Ravens and the 49ers started slow, and they've been off for Week 18, off for the bye. Yep. And I think yep. I think it's sort. I think with a week under their belts, you know, the Ravens cruise, but it was close at halftime, obviously. And then the Niners escape barely. I think those teams come out a little more well oiled, and we see the number one seeds uh, fully healthy. Yep. Do their thing and uh, advance for a, for a number one seed Ravens 49ers Super Bowl. And no matter what the matchup is, it's going to be a good one. Uh, I agree. Not just because it's on CBS and it's, on, it's in Vegas, but I mean, like, I think, you know, look, if we get, by the way, Chiefs Lions, Swifty in the Lions, who've never been, like, haven't been, haven't been to a Super Bowl. That would be a rematch in week one. Remember, week one. Yep. We're going to rematch. All right. That'll do it for us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Great stuff as always, fellas. For dues, for BMAC, I'm Brinson that like button, hit the subscribe button. We will see you guys later.